Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Happy holidays to all of you beautiful people out there today. It's December 25th, 2012, and I'm sending you all my love and my light on this beautiful Christmas day. The show you are about to hear with my special guest, Wambui Bahati, was pre-recorded earlier this week. Wambui is such an amazing gift to the world. I was so inspired by her and her story, and so I wanted very much to share this special program with you about this amazing woman today. I hope you enjoy. It's my gift to all of you. Peace, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about life and how we navigate down the not-so-yellow-brick road of it. I'm Kathy Barrett, and life is something we shouldn't do alone. So I hope you'll stay tuned with me for the next 30 minutes and listen to the show. Our special guest today is Wambui Bahati, who is an entertainer, an author, a speaker who is changing the world's perception about mental illness. She began her formal training at, uh, in theatrical studies at New York University, the School of the Arts, which led her to have several starring roles on Broadway. She also did several Broadway show tours, regional and stock theater. Wambui has written, produced, and also stars in the one-woman shows Balancing Act, which is uh, a musical about mental illness, and I Am Domestic Violence, Both of these shows have received national acclaim for the unique way that they provide outstanding entertainment while dealing with important issues for our communities. She's also the author of the highly acclaimed Tell All autobiographical empowerment book called You Don't Know You're Crazy, My Life Before, During, After, Above, and Beyond Mental Illness. Her passion, which I love the most, is reminding all of us about our magnificence. You can find out more about Wambui by going to her website, and I'll spell her name for you. It's W-A-M-B-U-I-B-A-H-A-T-I.com. Wambui, thank you for being with us on the show today, and happy holidays to you. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be here, and happy holidays to you and all the wonderful people listening. Well, let's share with the uh, listeners our little plan here. Basically, Wambui and I decided to pre-record the show, which will be airing on Christmas Day. And I will speak for myself, but I'm sure I will speak for everyone else once the show goes out uh, as well, that you and your story are such a gift to the world, and especially to all those suffering with mental disorders and for those of us who have someone in our lives that we love and care about that are also suffering from mental disorders. So this show is our gift to the world on this sacred day being celebrated around the globe. Great. I couldn't have said it better. That's great. So we hope that everyone out there will feel not only connected but inspired. And listening to your story really brought to my mind that you have climbed an emotional mountain equivalent to the size and difficulty of Mount Everest, barehanded, in my opinion. 
And I'm so moved by what you have accomplished. So let's get right to it and uh, first talk about the fact that you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but not until later on in adulthood. So do you want to explain to the listeners what bipolar disorder is? Um, bipolar disorder, the way I understand it, is um, it's mood swings that can be very um, not only wide, but they can also be very um, Hmm, I don't know how to say frustrating, um, very, it's not just your simple, oh, I feel sad today or I'm depressed today. It's very, it, it, you take it to a, a new level of feeling bad. You just, a, a depth that you can't even explain how bad you feel or how angry you feel. And then on the other hand, you can just feel uh, within um, the next week or the next day or the next month, you just feel so empowered and you feel like nothing can stop you, you feel in, invincible and you can go you can swing go either way at any time and um you it's just very extreme emotions on on either side that's the way i understand it and that's what was happening with me is that i just felt this sometimes i would just feel even rage i would just be so angry and the thing was i wasn't even sure what i was angry at or angry about and then other times I just felt so good. I was going to conquer the world. I was going to do this. I was going to, I just had the energy to do all things. I was fearless and I was just going to create a whole new environment for everything and everyone. And it wasn't that I was um, angry at any, like I said, anybody in particular. I don't even know. It was just feelings that would, would come. Before, um, before I was the bipolar, though, um, I suffered, that's a <laughs> ugly word, but suffered with uh, depression for most of my uh, late teenage through adult life. I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar disorder per se until I was in my 40s, and I had been dealing with depression um, since I was a teenager, since 16, 8, 17, 18, like that, and the time I was treated for depression was when I was 18 years old. I was uh, had come to New York to attend uh, college at that time. Well, let's go back a second because this is a really important point. There are a lot of teenagers especially suffering with depression out there. So what were some of the feelings that you had during that time? What were some, you know, what was your thought process? How did you know you were depressed? What was going on for you when it first began? Well, I would just feel like I I didn't want to do anything. I didn't, I wasn't happy. I didn't see the point of anything. I couldn't feel that joy that everybody was talking about and feeling happy. I just would want to go back to bed. I just wanted to just sit down and, and do nothing. And um, for those people who, I just want to say this, for those people who can't listen to the whole show, I do want to say that I don't, I do want to say that I don't believe uh, that depression, bipolar, um, any type of mental illness where you're displaying some mood swings or all that. Now, today, at 62, I don't believe that they are illnesses. What I know is that they are symptoms of something else being out of balance. So I just wanted to get that in there in case somebody had to walk away. And because I just wanted people to know that where I stand today is I 
I really believe that those are symptoms of something else being out of balance, and that's what we don't deal with when we talk about mental illnesses and people with emotional issues is we never get to the core. We treat the symptom. We treat that 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 anger. We treat the, the sadness, but we don't treat why we're angry or why we're sad or why it even happened in the beginning. So I, I just wanted to get ahead of myself, and now I'll come back to uh, I was um, – in college, I was just, um, I just had gotten to the point where I just felt sad. I just didn't feel, I wasn't feeling anything, you know. You look at, at the time, I'd look at TV commercials or see other students and other people, and they seemed so happy, and just life was together, and they they just seemed to have joy. And um, and I didn't feel that joy, and I didn't know what they were feeling it about or how to get it, and what was so great about it, and all I was feeling was um, bad. Uh, I had uh, my self-esteem was not good, which was one of the problems, actually, that was at the core of all this, low self-esteem. I felt um, alone, and if I didn't feel alone, I felt I would be better off if I were alone, and it was just um, a feeling, low energy, Um, just not feeling like I wanted to do anything or participate mm-hmm. in anything, and it, I did. I did participate because I knew that not to would cause more attention that I didn't want. So I would kind of fake it along I, as much as I could. I would get up and I'd go through the motions, and I believe that's what a lot of people do: is they go through the motions of 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 everything being okay. And you, go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, let's go back for a second because all of this, the points that you're bringing up are so important, and that's why I think what you have to share in terms of your story and experience is so valuable to people. So first of all, it's like when when you said that you don't believe it's an illness and it's an imbalance of a number of things. Mm-hmm. That I mean, you had a lot of difficulty growing up in terms of, um, like myself, um, a little, little bit younger than you, but I grew up during uh, Jim Crow period, and that definitely had to have a huge impact on your self-esteem as a young girl growing up. Yes. Yes, I I missed the word that you said. Um, you grew up during the what period? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Dur- during a Jim Crow law. Oh yes. Oh that. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Um, yes. I uh, grew up in North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. I was born in 1950, and uh, 50, not 15, 50. And um, yes, we were d- dealing with Jim Crow laws, uh, which. For people who may not know, it meant that as African Americans or black people, we were um, considered free, (laughs) but we were not free. There were still certain things. We were still considered second-class citizens. There were certain things we could not do, certain places we could not go. For instance, the movie theater, uh, the one movie theater in my city where that would let uh, people with dark skin in, you could not go in the front door of that movie theater. You had to go in the side door and go up to the balcony, and that was the only place that we were allowed to to sit and enter and leave through that side, those steps that went up there. We, we could not go through the front door. I remember my mother becoming 
very um, angry with me one day because I drank from the wrong water fountain when I was a little girl. Uh, I, I drank from the wrong water fountain, and she became very angry at me, which I later realized she was not angry with me, but she had to put on the show for the people, other white people in the store, to so that they would believe that she had a handle on it because she didn't want them to handle it for her. So she became very angry with me and told me that I must learn to read the signs and that I cannot just drink from any water fountain. There's There are certain water fountains that are for me and certain water fountains that are not for me. And But then when we got outside of the store, away from everybody who was looking, um, she took me and bought me a donut. And I believe that it was because now I see that it wasn't that she was so much angry with me as she felt, like I said, she had to show the people around her that I'm taking care of this, I'm dealing with my daughter, I'm going to teach her so that they wouldn't feel they had to say anything to me or do anything to me or her. So, um, so yeah, I grew up in that period riding in the back of the bus. Um, there was only certain places you could sit still. And it was um, – there were schools, playgrounds. I couldn't. I could only look at the kids playing on certain playground, um, in certain playgrounds, and I would want to play there. And I'd be told, "No, you can't go to that. You can't get on that swing, or you can't go there." Beaches, certain parts of beaches, we were not allowed to go to. So, it was very. Um, in the beginning, it was just something that I just took for granted. That's just how life is. And as I got older, uh, as as a teenager. Um, I started realizing that no, this there's something wrong here. This is this there's something very wrong here. But at the same time, it I grew up with this sense of believing that I was a second class citizen. Right. And, and so that ever, did nothing to help my self esteem, which was already low from other issues going on. Yes, and I just um, want to remind the listeners. I mean, this is like the notion was separate but equal. But you know, just that phrase alone is idiotic because how could you be separate and equal? It doesn't exactly. You know, exactly. and people, you know, were this was a life or death situation. People would be killed for something as minute as drinking out of a water fountain. I mean, it was just this was a really, really shameful time in America's history. And as a Caucasian, I constantly apologize to every African American who comes on my show for the sins of the past. I mean, I just think it was such a shameful time in our country's history, and yet the civil rights movement is one of the most inspiring times uh, in our nation's history. But I just really needed to say that because people need to know how horrendous that was for people growing up in that time. Um, it was it was not a good time, um, but I have to believe. And I don't want any white people feeling guilty about this. Um, I just want white people to be fair now going forward. You know, it's like the past, we can't we can't control things that happened in our life yesterday or things that happened or people did, you know, hundreds of years ago. That's what happened. And I have to believe that they happened because I believe, um, and there are so many people that will probably disagree that everything is in divine order always. I agree. I have to believe that. And so I don't want people feeling bad or guilty about things that happened in the past. I just want going forward for everybody to be, um, you know, on the same page going forward and for all of us to understand that we all live in the same world. We can't correct what we did wrong. We make mistakes. We all do 
personal mistakes. But going forward, it just if we could all just come together and realize that we all come from one source exactly. and that we all have this one earth that we live on. And so going forward, let's just all do the best we can to to not make, you know, mistakes again. Exactly. <laughs> That's all we can do, exactly. you know. Yeah, well, I'd like to be accountable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's heaven. Okay, I'm not going to stop you there. <laughs> Because I just feel just being able to say, oh, my God, so sorry, has an impact on people. You know, it, like, it, it really registers, and, and, and I've seen it and I've witnessed it happen yeah. to people when you do that. And it's something that's so easy for, for all yeah. of us to do, regardless if it's about that uh, particular incident or any incident. You know, to just say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. It just gives people this, like, enormous sense of well-being. Well, yes, it, it, and it allows, um, it kind of like the message that I get when someone says that is that, you know, they, they, they care. Yes. That's, and, that's, and that's all you can ask for somebody is to just like, yes, okay, you know, you, you care. And, and that is, that's like the word thank you. When someone says thank you for something or, or I care or it just really is, um, it is important. And um, uh, I guess, I guess. Part of me is um, part of what I feel, though, is what I realized is because I used to feel anger. I was very angry about when I would read things about um, my history in this country, my grandparents and my great-grandparents and things that people went through. I used to feel this anger, and I realized I had to come to the conclusion that part of that anger was what was calling me, causing me to kind of shut down and cause was part one of the things at the root of that depression and at the root of those emotional swings. And um, I realized that um, also as I was writing the book, I wrote the book, I guess, when I was in my 50s, 50s, um, that I realized that I'd been spent more than half my life in the mental health system, and at no point had anyone ever asked me, well, how did it feel when you were a little girl back in 1955, 56, 57, you were seven years old or so, how did it feel when you couldn't go, when they told you you couldn't go play on that swing because that was for white children only? How did that feel when you couldn't go into the lunchroom and, and, have a, and sit down and eat your lunch or you couldn't sit down and eat your hot dog later at Woolworths because you couldn't sit down at the counter. You had to stand in the corner if you wanted to eat your hot dog. How did that feel? No one ever asked how that feel felt, and that played such a big, enormous part in what was going on with me as far as the mood swings, and that's why I get back again to they they were not the the illness that was the acting out of the unbalance of something that was going on that was deeper, but no one ever asked how that felt as if that didn't matter. None of those those years or those things or those feelings or having to go in the side door or couldn't all those things they didn't as if they did not matter in my life. No therapist, no psychiatrist, no group therapist, no while in hospitals, no one ever asked, well, what happened? How did it feel when you were growing up and you were treated as a second-class citizen? But And I think that does play a big, important, and did play a, an important part 
for me as to how my emotions were developing or not developing at the time. And I think for a lot of the baby boomers, um, there is uh, that does play into it um, a lot. How those uh, those those things that happened during those years, as far as emotional well being or emotional wellness. But I re- I realized I had to let that find a way for me to let those things go because they were destroying me. They were not this. I wasn't getting back at anybody. There was no way I could do that. I had to find the best way I could to make me feel good. And it took many years, and I'm talking like in the last 10, 15 years is when I discovered this, that I had to let all of this go, and I had to learn to find some way to um, forgive those, forgive that woman that yelled at me for drinking from the water fountain. I had to forgive those people who didn't understand or appreciate that we were beautiful people, we are beautiful people too. I had to find some way to make, to find peace in me about it because it was tearing me up and I was tired of being tore up. So for me to feel good, I had to find a way to understand that, okay, maybe it's not true, but for me, I have to believe everything happens for a reason. And that everything that is happening is happening in some divine order. And like I said, that may not make sense to anyone but me. But I encourage anybody, if you're feeling bad about anything, then you have to make up something to get you through that that makes you feel good or better. And by me saying there's a divine order to everything, everything happens for a reason, slavery happened for a reason, everything happened for a reason, that may not, no one may agree with that, but I have to believe that in order to get up and feel good. That works for me. Right. And um, well, that forgiving. Well, comes down to acceptance, forgiveness. It comes, it comes down to acceptance, yeah. uh, acceptance of myself for who I am and finding the value in me and, and loving me and knowing that I can't depend on someone else's feelings and someone else's opinion of me to define me or lift me up, that I have to find a way to do that myself. And that's what I encourage. And that's what I say when I, my mission is reminding everyone of their magnificence is because I want everybody to realize that they have the power to lift themselves up and um i know we got we kind of strayed away from the mental health topic but i believe it's all related in that um i don't know where you what the next question or where you wanted to go but i wanted to go where we were where i walked away from the system are you were there yet are you there oh no that's fine because i think it's perfect because one of the things all right we were talking about okay that's just one example and it could be any kind of emotional imbalance you know something that's not going right in in someone's life uh, that they're having difficulty dealing with. It could be in numerous issues, but also it can be things as simple as, and they say that um, a lot of uh, uh, kind of problems come from chemical imbalance. But when they say chemical, it's simple things like vitamins, like B6, B9, B12, vitamin C, magnesium, zinc, potassium. I know for myself, I'm always low on B12. And I, it's amazing when, you're, when you have issues with B12, how that 
what kind of an impact that has on your emotional well-being. And so I know for myself, this is like so true. It causes all kinds of imbalance. It can be. It can be. Um, Vitamin, yes, you're absolutely right. Vitamin deficiency, it can be that you're allergic to something that you're eating. It could be allergic. Do you know that there have been people who've been um, committed to psychiatric institutions, I'll say, who they later found out were reacting to mold in their house. The mold was causing them to act schizophrenic. And it was mold in their homes that they were reacting to. And um, so, yes, it can be anything. And and let me say, too, that, okay, I want to share this short, very short story. But I happen to have been in the hospital in New York City back in the 80s, uh, the late 80s. I'm not sure of the year now, but it was... What happened is I was been in the, had been in the hospital for almost 30 days at this hospital stay when I was told I was going to have to leave. And I, I wasn't ready to go. I didn't want to go. And they said, you've got to go. We need your bed. And I looked around, and the whole, there were gurneys lined up all around the perimeter of the floor. There were people coming in from everywhere into this psychiatric hospital here in New York City. They told me that I was well enough to leave. I needed to leave because there were people who were worse than me who needed my bed. So they literally threw me out of the hospital so that all these people who at the time I didn't know where these people were coming from and why there were so many people. When I got outside, what I realized had happened was what they call, we refer refer to now as Black Monday, which happened in the late 80s, which was the biggest market crash up until the one in in the Mm -hmm. mid-2000s where the market crashed. All these people who had gone to work that day, who woke up feeling good, who woke up with these wonderful lives, found they'd lost almost everything. And so now these people were being treated as mental health patients. I tell you the story to say that it can happen to anyone. It's about these people aren't, weren't crazy. Right. You know, these people suddenly their, something shifted in their life that shifted their emotion, that shifted their perspective on life to, to the point where many of them were suicidal or so sad or so depressed that they could not participate in real life all of a sudden, and now they were being brought into the hospital as mental patients. But again, these weren't mental. These people did not have a disease called crazy. These people were reacting. Their symptoms of sadness and their symptoms of irrational thinking and suicidal thoughts were brought on because of something that had happened to their money, to their homes, to their families, in a in a short period of time. So I say that to say, again, these people were brought into a mental institution, but they were not crazy people. And I don't believe any of us who have, or anybody in a mental institution who's uh, been on lockdown for whatever reason or done crazy things, maybe they've done things that have actually hurt people, but they were reacting to something deeper that the, the reaction, how we see them acting out, is 
the the symptom of something deeper. So when these people were able to understand they could recover their money or that they could go on without it or that they were going to be okay, then they were they got well, you know, and it's the same with the people, other people I who I've met in mental hospitals who they have things going on in their lives. You know what? I I bet you everybody who's listening to this show can relate to the fact that they know someone or know someone who knows someone who's on some type of psychiatric medication who, if only that person could find a job they loved or get into a better relationship, they would be happy and they wouldn't need the psychiatric medication. I know so many people who are being treated by psychiatrists when we all know, people in their life, in our circle, know the problem is they're in a bad relationship. Right. And that's why they're sad. But we don't deal with the cause of we're not a society where we're, we're taught to deal, go in and dig, dig in and deal with the cause of why we're feeling sad. We just treat the sadness. Right. And uh, Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And I love the fact I want you to go into tell a little bit of your story, but I just want to remind people while we're we're on this particular point that even though you know it's recommended for people to go on medication and to seek psychotherapy, you kind of created this natural way of dealing with the situation for yourself, which I find incredibly powerful that I really want listeners to know about. So do you want to share a little bit about how you came to travel down the path that you did to get well. I do, and I do want to say that I'm not a doctor. What works for one person will not necessarily work for someone else. I do believe that if you're on a cliff or you're you're on the very edge, I say, you know, you go do what you need to do, get your pills, get a medication, get a prescription so that you can come back off the cliff. But then once you're off the cliff, then I think it's time to look inside and find out what is really the cause of um, why you're actually, why you feel this way or what's, what is unbalanced in your life. But what I found was um, I was able, I walked away from the mental health system um, because uh, it had got to the point where m- my children were taken out of my home. Thank goodness they were with their father, so I knew where they were. It wasn't like they were, you know, like so many parents, their children are put in the system and you never see them or you have to fight to get them back again. So I knew where they were, but the fact was that they were not going to be with me on a day-to-day basis. And um, to me, that was the low point. That was my, so why are we even doing this then it's like what what do I have to live for I don't like my life in fact I hate my life I hate feeling these feelings that I have and now you take my kids and the way I saw my children was it was me and them against the world I loved my children I loved them they're adult they're they're adult people now and they were my greatest joy so when they took my children there was like I didn't know what the point was and it um I didn't like the side effects of a lot of the medication. I felt like I was maybe they were fixing something in one area, but then other areas were breaking down. And so then I needed medication for that to get that 
back on track. And then when we'd get that fixed, then something else would break down. And so now I needed another medication for that. And it was just going on and on and on. Well, I, um, for all the wrong reasons, I started listening to this motivational tape. And uh, when I say wrong, the wrong reason was it wasn't because I wanted to get motivated. I wasn't even sure I believed in that. I, this guy kept saying how he could change your life if you listen to his tapes. You, you can improve the quality of your life, he'd say, if you would just listen to his tapes. And I thought, what a crock. You know, how dare he rip off, you know, people, take their money and tell them, because if you could do it, how come my doctors haven't told me about it? If you could do it, then how come everybody's not improving their life? So I I got this man's tapes, and my, my thinking was I was going to do everything he said to do, and then within the 30 days that he said things would start changing, I was going to write a letter, and it was going to be an act of valor. I was going to save all these people. I was going to let them know this man was a con artist and that don't give him your good money because this cannot possibly work. Well, I ordered these tapes um, on four easy payments. I paid for the first of what because by the 30 days I was going to send them back anyway. But I ordered these tapes, and I started listening, and um, it was as – I'm sorry, I just want to say, to let the listeners know, this was um, something you saw in an infomercial, probably like... This was something I saw in an infomercial. I don't mind saying the man's name. I've communicated with him. The man's name was Anthony Robbins, and he used to have these um, tapes called Personal Power, uh, Personal Power and Personal Power 2, and it was cassette tapes at that time. It wasn't even CDs. They were cassette tapes. And um, I just thought, well, how is that going to help somebody listening to these tapes? But um, I ordered the tapes to prove him wrong. And I started listening to the tapes. And <laughs> and uh, it was as if he was talking to me. Now, I'm not, I don't work for him, and I don't, I'm not somebody that, you know, is out here recommending that you buy this. Like I say, everything that worked for me may not necessarily work for you, but all I know is that was exactly what I needed at that time. The way he talked and the way, the way he put things, it was as if he, were, he was talking to me. And I listened to them and to the fact where I couldn't stop listening. And he talked about the power within. Now, I'd heard about that because I used to go to Reverend Ike's church here in New York. I don't know if you know Reverend Ike and Coder. But he was the, actually the person I ever heard to talk about the power within. But I didn't, I didn't get it. I wasn't ready. You know, they say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I heard him say all these things, and I didn't get it. But when this guy said it, all of a sudden, all those messages came racing back, and I, I was starting to put all this stuff together now, and I, I wanted to hear more about the power within. And he also talked about um, that the past does not equal the future. That's one of his quotes. The past does not equal the future. Because I was busy saying my life is messed up, you know. Yeah. Uh, how how am I going to fix this? And the mess. And so he said, the past does not equal the future, meaning that you can start where you are and recreate a new future, and that'll be just fine. And I tell people, I say, you know what? I was just crazy enough to believe that I could do these things that this man was talking about. And one of the greatest things. Oh, he oh he. I remember he said 
If you want better answers, this is an Anthony Robbins, a Tony Robbins quote. If you want better answers, ask better questions. And I wasn't sure what he meant by that. But what he said was, you know, if you go, the universe is going to give you the answer to whatever you ask. If you ask, why am I so broke? Why am I so sick? The universe is saying, well, you're going to be you're broke because of this, or you're sick because of this. But if you ask the universe, how can I feel better? How can I be more empowered? What do I need to do to feel better? The the universe will give you those answers too. And so I started doing all these things. And the main thing was, I don't know if he actually used this term because it wasn't a tape for mental illness. But I heard him say, because I said to myself, well, they say I got a mental illness. I got a mental illness. And I heard the man on the tape say, that may be what they say you have, but that is not who you are. And the question became, who are you? And that just freed me when I realized, okay, all these people are saying you have bipolar, you are depressed. They put all these labels on me, but that's what they said I had. It had nothing to do with who I was. And who I was was greater, is greater than those labels. And that became the turning point for me. And I wanted, I started believing that I could turn my life around, and I had a desire to do so. And one of the things that he did on his tapes is he would say, how would you walk if you weren't, you know, if you weren't depressed or sad? Or you, how would you walk if you were had the life you wanted to have? Walk like that. Because sometimes he said, and I believed him, that you can work from the outside in. Because he's, he would say, and it looks like I'm giving his whole lecture, but he would say, he would say, Anthony Robbins would say, Tony Robbins said, you know, you can tell a person and who's depressed by how they look because their, their shoulders are sunk, turned over, they're kind of sunken in and in the mid area and they're looking down. But if you change the way they, you out side looks and you put your shoulders back and hold your head up and one thing I learned is if you just smile you're going to feel you're going to feel better if you just smile those muscles will send a message through your body that you feel better than you did just by making yourself smile and I did all of that and then I started wanting to do any anybody that was having a beautiful life I wanted to know what they were doing, and they were feeling good. And I learned that there were people who were meditating. So I bought a a Jose Silva program at a used bookstore that taught me how to meditate. And then I heard that people were actually healing themselves just from changing their diet. They were healing themselves of things like cancer from changing their diet. And I thought, really? Oh, my goodness. So I decided to look at what they were eating And if it was good enough for them, it must be good for me, too. So I started watching my diet. A nutritionist told me, uh, she said, if you can't pronounce the foods that are in a product that you're about to eat, that's probably a sign that you shouldn't be eating. That's probably something you shouldn't eat. And I started following that, and I started looking for foods that were more pure and had ingredients that I knew the ingredients were. I still follow that rule today. Uh I started learning about different diets. I became a vegan. I did raw food. I did all kinds of things, and I became my own guinea pig. And I found out that white bread 
is not something that agrees with me. Mm-hmm. I found out that white sugar is not something that agrees with me. I'm, I mean, I can eat something with sugar, and you would think that I've been drinking yeah. for a, a week. Mm-hmm. And I've also read uh, a, in a book called Sugar Blues, uh, the author says that he believes, in his opinion, and from the research that he's done, that if you took sugar out of the diet in the psychiatric hospitals and in the jails, that half of those people would um, be okay and able to go go home, wow. you know. Um, so, yeah, it's like you were saying, it's sometimes it's just the simplest thing. But So I just I started listening to empowering music. I started listening to empowering tapes. And I must say that it was important that it was tapes or at that time, today it would be a CD, but because um, when you're on a lot of medication, and I was, uh, uh, it's very difficult to concentrate and very difficult to read. But when you can sit back and listen to a tape, it can make a difference. And I just played those tapes over and over and over, and I just became, I just became this new a wonderful, happy person that I am today, <laughs> and I still, I still practice these things. I mean, I, I don't, I still, I still know that it's like, um, again, uh, like a piano. It has to be tuned. Yeah. Um, no matter how fabulous the piano is, you still got to tune it, or it's not going to play so fabulous. And that's the same with our bodies is that we have to keep ourselves in tune. So it's kind of like a daily thing that we have to do. Today I know what works for me is I don't do TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember even Reverend Knight back in the day used to say, do not watch the the news last thing before you go to bed or first thing in the morning. Well, what I realize works for me is just not to watch any of it anytime at all. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had TV now for I'm sure like 10 years or more, and I do not miss it. Of course, if I were to come to someone's house or go somewhere where there's a TV, I'm like a kid. I'm like a three-year-old kid. It's like it's never seen TV before. But but I don't have it in my home, and I don't want it in my home. Mm -hmm. And um, and, uh, I I sometimes don't know what the weather is. (laughs) But most of the things, most of the the news I get from – Internet, I know what's going on because of the Internet, but I really don't even hang around the news spots on the Internet. I get just enough to know what I need to do. (laughs) I tell my children that if I wake up one day and I see everybody running down the street in a certain direction, then I'm just going to get my little fanny pack and I'm going to jump in and run with them. (laughs) Well, I also have to say that I've met you. I've had the pleasure of meeting you. And in addition to you being just amazingly beautiful from me inside out, you are stunning. There, I mean, you look like you're in your 20s. You are in absolute perfect physical condition. And all of that peace of mind is reflected in your outer appearance as well. You know, not just in the way you, you share your story and who you are, but it really does make a difference. Um, in the way that we live, it has a big wow. impact. Thank on you. Yes, who we are, and you. I mean, in addition to what we were uh, talking about uh, earlier, you had a life that was filled with a lot of obstacles that you had to overcome. Do you want to share just a little bit about about that and how you then 
came to a point to go from devastation to transformation in terms of creating your shows and taking your story around the world? When I was um, going through all of, as an adult, um, I well, first of all, I'd had a very fruitful uh, theater career. And I say fruitful, which means I made money, I had a career, but I was not a household name or rich or famous, but I did work constantly in the theater in the uh, 70s, 80s, and um, through the early 90s, uh, was working. In spite of the um, depression and all the other emotional things that were going on, the fact is that I found um, safety on the stage. I found without that was my life. To be on the stage was what I was living for, to perform. I needed to be on the stage. And in spite of everything that was going on around me, when it was time for me to be on the stage, that's when I started living. That's when I forgot about everything around me, and I loved performing. And um, it got to the point where when I had, by the time my second daughter was born, um, we had been um, traveling with a show called The Wiz. Um, when I say we, um, after I'd done a Wiz tour and I'd gotten married, um, gotten divorced from a, an abuse, gotten out of an abusive situation, and gotten married to a, a man who had been the truck driver on the, the tour of The Wiz I was on, and we uh, were great friends and we had a great, um, great time together. We had a daughter. And we had moved to California, and then there was another Wiz tour coming up. And by that time, my daughter at that time was going on three, and um, so we both went on the tour with with uh, this new Wiz. And it was on that tour that we got pregnant with my second daughter, who um, came decided she wanted to come into the world earlier than her nine months. So she came into the world at six months of uh, when I was pregnant, um, she tried to come at five. They held her off for a month, but at six months, she was coming. So she hit the ground running. And she was came in at like a pound. And so that just kind of set things off for me again because we were suddenly out of work and suddenly had this little baby that was a pound that people didn't know was, if she was going to live or not. And um, while I was um, while everyone was busy trying to make sure the little baby was okay and everybody was focused on the little baby as they should have been, no one noticed that I mentally had gone. I was not here. I had gone. And so by the time we brought the baby home, at um, she was like four pounds when they allowed us to bring us home. She, uh, We call her the miracle child. She had no operations, no nothing She's uh, today. She's 28 years old and just a wonderful, beautiful human being, and just the best person you'd ever want to meet. Very talented, and so she's our miracle child. But this, um, but I, that kind of emotionally took me off course, and that's when I went for the real dive. And then things just got worse emotionally for me to the point where then finally we were getting um a divorce and the kids ended up I brought the kids back to North Carolina where I could be near my my mother and um it just um we ended up in um public housing and just went down everything was just spiraling out of control and things just went down 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 mm-hmm. and um it, that's when I was in and out in and out in and out of 
hospitals and on all different kinds of medication. At the the most I was ever on was twelve at one time. And when I walked away from the system, I was on eight different medications. Not all of them were psychiatric medications, but like I said, your body, the side effects starts breaking down your body. So right. now you need medication for that. And so things were just um, not, 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 not good. And uh, I didn't know how to fix them. I wanted to fix them, but I didn't know how. And uh, just kept... Um, it was, you know, one of those things where, well, now I realize when you, you, you focus, when you're caught up in something really awful, just more awful things just start happening because now you're almost expecting it and you're focusing on it and it's like, well, how bad is it going to be today? And it, and so, like, like Anthony Robbins said, you asked that question and said, well, you are glad you asked the question. This is how bad it's going to be for you today. Right. And it just got worse and the money issues and and then finally um, that's when they said, you know, I just probably needed to be in the hospital all the time. And so my kids, even though my mother was helping, you know, the kids would be better off if they went live with their father and and uh, so it was in that public housing apartment that I saw that infomercial, and um, I had to make a decision at that time whether, you know, it's either I'm going to give it one more shot, I can either have two options, I can live or I can die. But if I live, then I want to live on my terms, and that's exactly what I decided to do, especially after hearing those messages on those tapes and realizing that I could do that, that I could change and that we all have the power to do that. We all have the power to change. And, you know, um, I also want to interject right here that all those years, and I was in and out of hospitals a lot and in groups and all this stuff for, for mental for mental people with ment- so-called mental illnesses. And I must say, no matter what shenanigans, uh, I'll, I'll use that word, somebody in the group or in the hospital who was considered a patient, was going through, I never met, I have never met anyone that was in a patient in a mental hospital who was just not the most sensitive and and also talented person I'd ever met. They're just sensitive. And one thing that I know is that out here in the world where things are, can get stressful and we don't understand a lot of the things that are called the bad things that are going on, if you're a sensitive person, you're going to take that on and you're going to be angry and upset and you're going to want to fix it, but you don't know how. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I believe causes that symptom that we call depression or those symptoms that can even be called, I don't know much about a schizophrenia, schizophrenia, so I'm I'm not going to mention that too much, but I do know about bipolar, and I do know about depression, and I believe that a lot of these things come from a person who's just really sensitive. I know my father was a very sensitive person, very sensitive person, and back when we were growing up, to go see a psychiatrist or someone like that was just really kind of like out of the question. So my father, like a lot of fathers that and mothers that I so I can't say everybody's, but I know my father became an alcoholic because it's a way to soothe himself and to not feel that pain of 
being treated for him being treated like a boy when he was a very very intelligent wise man but he was not allowed to do a lot of the things that he wanted to do because of the period that we were living in the way he soothed himself was to drink and he wasn't able to control his drinking to the point where he became an alcoholic Mm -hmm. but he was just the most sensitive person who felt everything and wanted to fix everything and didn't know how to fix it and I see that happening a lot, too, with people that we label as mentally ill, a very sensitive people who just, because a lot of the things that that affect them, other people, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't, it rolls off. They can see something and it's okay. They're just stronger that way. But a lot of the people that we put these labels on, I just encourage people that if you have someone in your family or you know someone or even you that has been labeled with, some type of mental illness to um, see if you can't explore um, some of the alternative ways of treating them, see if they can't be tested to see if they are allergic to to certain foods or whatever, see what happens if they take the sugar out of the diet, see what happens if you take the dairy out. Um, The food today that we eat is not the food that we had hundreds of years ago. The food is manipulated. The water is manipulated. Uh, the, every there's we are natural beings living in an unnatural world, and I believe that that affects us greatly, and that we act out. And unfortunately, some people may hurt other people when they get um, through their acting out. But that's not all. That's not all people who have been labeled. And most people, if you if they can get, um, I think we just need to start looking at the cause of the imbalance. And, and dealing with that. Yeah, and it's also uh, like what you were saying earlier. For any of us, if we are not fully self-expressed in who mm-hmm. we are, that creates a huge source of pain for, for every human being because it's our natural way of being is to, you know, utilize our gifts. But if we feel that we're not... Uh, a, we don't know what those gifts are. We don't know how to kind of develop them. And, we, you know, if we don't understand the process of really getting in touch with the, the highest part of ourselves, then there is going to always be this place of frustration, which can lead to anger, which can lead to depression, which, you know, it's a domino uh, effect. So it's it's also looking at that. What What is it that would make me happy or do I think will make me happy? Can, you know, right. I'm experimenting with that because that's all of us. And I have to also confess that I had those Anthony Robbins tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I was up at 6 o'clock in the morning looking for a better way, you know, and, uh-huh. and I purchased them. And I thought there was a lot of really incredible, valuable information on there as well. So it's it does. This is a show for each of us, for all of us, for everyone. This is not just. And I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear before, because I totally agree with you. I am not a, a medical practitioner, nor am I well versed in in every single a kind of mental illness. But at least look at all of these things that are being discussed. Take it as. Um, I don't know, just an opportunity to explore to see if there's any ways that you can, you know, better your, your life and your condition that may be very, very simple techniques to apply. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said, and I totally agree that um, 
and I and I encourage also people because um it, we're the the times are kind of people, a lot of people are feeling very stressful at this time with uncertainty and certainty causes a lot of stress like with the economy with money with our pensions or what's going on we we just wars we just there's a lot of uncertainty. And now is that time that if anybody had, had ordered those tapes and didn't listen to them or any tape or anybody that makes you feel good, it's time now to reach for that and to just go within and find that power, your strength, because we, we're we stronger. You know, it's like we're so strong, we're so powerful, and we give our power away. Power away. I know I, I did, and I do sometimes still, but, you know, we we're – we're up against. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about if, if we can, because I think this will add to it. Is um, um, Freud had a, had a cousin, Edward Bernays, and Edward Bernays is the man who um, coined. Uh, he got the Madison Avenue thing going. He was the advertising uh, guru. He he was the one who got us eating bacon and eggs, and he's also the one who got women smoking cigarettes. He, mm-hmm. you know, they came to him and said enough. Too many of our, we're losing half of our market. They're not smoking. And so he staged this campaign. And you can look it up on YouTube, Edward Benet's and smoking, and see how he got these people, the women, to believe smoking was a good thing. And But at the same time, I say that to say that, so we are bombarded by the media and advertising who they've studied us and they want to sell us things. And one of the ways they know to sell us or to get us to buy is to make us feel less than. <laughs> because if you feel like you're already on top of the world, there's no need for you to spend your money to buy something to make you to make you feel better. So they're spending all, the media's job is to make us feel bad about ourselves and to feel less than. And so as we become aware of that and we know that that's what the job is, is to make us feel less than so that we will buy more, then we can kind of not let them manipulate us so much. We can kind of take back a little bit of our power and say, no. I know that's your job. Your job is to make me feel like I don't look good enough so that I need your beauty cream. But I'm going to take back some of my power, and I'm going to empower myself, and I'm going to tell myself how wonderful I am, and I'm going to be more in more control. Of course, there's some nice, wonderful things on the market that are great things to have, but it's kind of like putting ourselves in the driver's seat and us deciding what we want instead of them telling us what we they think we need. Absolutely. And we, we have just about a minute left. I just want to remind okay. uh, the listeners that um, speaking to Wambui Bahati, and you can find out more information by going to Wambui, and I'll spell that, W-A-M-B-U-I dash Bahati, B-A-H-A-T-I dot com. Um, And also, she is reminding us of our magnificence. That is what this woman's passion is. That is why I wanted to have her on our our program today. She is just amazing. Her story is amazing. And go to her website. You can purchase her books, her CDs. And she also has two shows that we were talking about this earlier, are really magnificent, and she tours the country, and really, not only are they just entertainment, and she's an incredibly talented actress, performer, and singer, and writer, 
So you not only get that experience of being, you know, wildly entertained, but the topic is about her life story and how she overcame all these obstacles, in, including, you know, physical abuse and uh, being labeled with the mental disorder that she was labeled with. And she has come through the other side and just has all of this magnificent information that she wants to share with the rest of us so we can be as beautiful on the inside and outside as she is. So I thank you so, so much for coming here. Is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners before we go? Um, thank you so much for having me, and I just wish everybody a great holiday, not only this day, but every day. Make every day a great holiday. And um, you can you, com is will also take you to the, the website, com. It's been a, a great joy for me to have you on the program. I hope you'll come back. I'd love to have you come on and, and do little uh, pieces from the show so we can entertain people as well. It's, uh, cool. Both of your That shows. sounds great. And that sounds great. Everybody you. wishing you a very happy holiday, whatever holiday you will be uh, celebrating and sending out all our love uh, to you around the globe. And this is Kathy Barrett, and this is Wambuli, and we're sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. It has been so great to have you along on this journey, and I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll tune in. Peace, everybody. Peace.